and welcome to Not For Girls, a podcast by two women fighting gender stereotypes, talking about life, ancestry and everything in between. My name's Nikki. Hello, my name's Leah and Nikki, welcome back. How was the move? Stressful. Uh-huh. But it was fine because I got a lovely episode with you and Emma to listen to during that. So, yes, we love Emma. She was awesome. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And I know that I, f- I feel so bad for you for missing out. It's our first ever guest, and you weren't here. I feel like I've betrayed you somehow. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine because I always loved the idea of having guest hosts. So, like, it doesn't always have to be both of us. I like the idea of having someone to kind of replace the other one and just come in and and have that kind of one-on-one discussion I think it I think it worked really well for you guys and I think if I was there I might have just been like the awkward person in the corner being like I don't think that but I feel like you know I'll I'll just prepare to be given the boot next time (laughs) like I'll I'll be like uh ordered out and you'll you'll get someone cooler to to come and replace me next time but it's fine fair's fair I'll take my lumps but I'm very excited to be back and we're here to talk about ancestry today which is a topic that I'm extremely passionate about and I'm sat here with my glass of wine, just like ready. ready for <laughs> Amazing. This. I don't have wine. I've got a little cheeky port and lemonade, <laughs> like like an old person, but it's super tasty. So um, no regrets. But actually, that was where I kind of wanted to kick things off. Um, not alcohol, but um, <laughs> just because you said this is something that really interests you. So uh, I, I have a few inklings why, because obviously I know, I know you quite well and we've talked about this a little bit um you know before recording but I'm kind of curious like for all the boys and girls at home (laughs) um why did this topic appeal to you I think like it's always been a very big thing within my family everyone's always been really passionate about it my dad including and also my nan's actually my nan's on both sides my nan is still alive now she's still really passionate about it so we spend a lot of time together doing it and I think I, I fall into holes of ancestry. Like I can literally waste a whole evening if I get started. Because to me, it's like solving a story and it's like, and like mysteries because, mm. you know, even if you're starting from the very beginning, you have to track down this one person, you know, like find out where they're born. And like when you initially like find someone or you, or, you know, you break through to an ancestor that you maybe couldn't find for a while, it's like you get this kind of exhilaration and it's, yeah, you get to learn all about their lives and, I mean, obviously I'm talking more about ancestry in the sense of looking on paper and going online and just finding people. Obviously it comes in many different forms, but I think that's my, that's where my enthusiasm comes from. How about you? Um, I, I, it's never really been like a massive thing in my family. My mum did like a big ancestry dive. <laughs> she, she went down the same rabbit hole, um, like a few years back. It's a big and- hole. Yeah, it's mass. Yeah, I mean, there's like ring binders, full, massive ring binders, the size of like, I don't even know. I mean, more more than I've ever written of anything ever, <laughs> of just like parish records and birth and death certificates and yeah, tracing specific ancestors. But it's never really been something that I've kind of uh, like massively had a connection to. Uh, I think I, my interest was more just kind of just curiosity really like just kind of wanting to know what are my roots like what is there that that's kind of hidden that I that I don't know about um because there is there is so much like from the first human beings that existed we're here now and it's the the kind of 
fascinating mind-blowing thing to me of like well how how did that happen like what what's what's in between then and now so um just a little bit of like yeah context and curiosity I guess to kind of yeah some some of the just genetic traits that I might not know I have um so that that was the reason why I kind of became interested in this and it's probably also a good time to say we have done DNA tests we both sent off our kits a couple of weeks well a few weeks ago and have got our results but we don't know each other's results <laughs> so this is gonna be yeah this is gonna be exciting I've been really looking forward to hearing about Leah's results because uh like I have to admit like Leah knows a little bit about my ancestry because I just don't stop talking about it because like I'm just I, I'm just love it so but it's much. piqued my like passion for it as well now so it's yeah it's it's always nice and my my um my dad and my mum and my nan have done ancestry tests they did it with the company ancestry mm -hmm. and so I know generally like what they've got so I guess some of it's not necessarily a surprise um but the only thing interesting that we you know this time we did 23andMe which gives you different kind of results in regards to things like traits and health I didn't do health so I don't know if even Leah wants to talk about her health because it's intimate there's some things that I can talk about it's fine <laughs> but this one also tells you Neanderthal um like DNA and yeah it talks about like your maternal lines well it'll be our maternal lines mm -hmm. and so yeah there's definitely a lot to find out that we don't know about each other so we're gonna we're gonna dive into that now I yeah guess. let's kick things off um so maybe if we start with like your ancestral makeup because it yeah. gives you basically regions of where your dna is sort of traced to genetically uh so do you want to go first what was your ancestral genetic makeup Sure. So none of this was a huge surprise to me. But the one thing that did surprise me was the fact that I got like 100% European. And I'm like, no one's really 100% European. Wow. And I know that I'm not, which we'll dive into later. But I was like, okay, fine. Let's see how this goes. But it turns out I'm not actually like 100% British and Irish. I'm only 63.4% British and Irish, which actually seems like quite a low number, <laughs> to be honest. Cool. Um, 29 0.2% is French and German, which I don't really know anything about, but I think a lot of people um, are technically French and German if they're in the UK anyway, mm. so that's not really a surprise. I did get 1% Scandinavian, which I know where that comes from, that's my mum's side, awesome. um, on her dad's side, which is, you know, that's cool. And I got 5.9% Northwestern European, which is Norway, like Finland, and I think it goes further down, maybe like to France as well. But mm. that's also pretty much for my mum's side. And then I got 0.5% Spanish and Portuguese, which again, I kind of already knew about, which I know is from my mum's mum, mm -hmm. because that's where she has some Spanish stuff. Yeah, so not not really a huge surprise, but I'm excited to find out what you got. But, okay, this is really weird because um, actually there's, like, we may have just sent off the same sample because there's some big similarities here. So yeah, same, 63% British and Irish. Oh. 16% French and German. Yeah, really similar. And then 3% Scandinavian. Um, so again, completely European, um, which is, Oh, you didn't get any more than that? It was just the Scandinavian, just, just French, that. German, British, British, Irish, French, German, Scandinavian. Um, but I am like made up with that because like I love Europe. I, um, it's an awesome continent. There's so much like history and culture and amazing food. Um, so I was like, yay, despite what's happening in our country, I am super European. <laughs> that made me happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So it, then it does tell you the places in Britain that most of your like ancestors would have come from. I think it gives you like list 10. And I was just wondering like where was your strongest evidence in the UK? Yeah, so I'm like uh, really interested to find out your results as well for this because uh, yeah, my, mine were a little bit surprising. So uh, for the United Kingdom, because United Kingdom and Ireland are kind of lumped together. So for United Kingdom, the first region of like my ancestry's dna is greater london so not really just like shock well i'll say mine is the same though okay cool number two glasgow and then number six i have uh belfast and then in ireland like my biggest area region is um cork county cork um and i know that there is scottish and irish ancestry on my on my dad's side basically his my dad's dad uh, has like Irish like ancestry that, that he remembers. Like I think it was his parents or grandparents uh, that were like f- full full blooded Irish, but like relocated to the UK and had his like parent. And then on my dad's mum's side is the Scottish uh, clans, which was MacNaughton. Um, so because she tra- like traced her family name back, so she even has her like her tartan for that which is really cool so like it's it's just really nice like just feeling like actually this ancestry isn't a million miles away and my grandparents who who are like those grandparents are are still with us they still remember that and have kind of like yeah like physical ties um which is really cool so so yeah that was that was my like top i'm not gonna go through all of them because they're not that different but yeah london (laughs) glasgow and um cork so it's yeah very for british and irish um yeah that was really nice to know (laughs) so it separated mine into into english and irish did not separate yours well i had british uh so it's like united kingdom and then ireland so the united kingdom includes glasgow and belfast as well yeah so mine just separated it into i don't even know what it was doing to be honest but yeah, my number one was London, similar to yours. Mm. But then I realised that I'm a hell of a lot more northern than I realised. I thought I was fully southern, Ooh. but apparently not. So I knew one side of my family came from like Lancashire and like Merseyside. And... I've got Lancashire and Merseyside on Have my you? list too. We're so northern, Nicky. <laughs> <laughs> no, so northern. That's a terrible northern accent. <laughs> you know nothing, John Snow. I'm, so, I'm sorry, ancestors. <laughs> um, and anyone from the north. So... I but I knew about that because my nan's family, like my nan, my mum's mum, her side actually originally, well, her dad comes from Merseyside, so that oh, wasn't a shock. Cool. But I've got a hell of a lot of Yorkshire up in there, and the only two places that are in the south are London, and I have got Hampshire because I knew about Hampshire. But yeah, the rest of it's just Yorkshire, some Scottish, and all that's that amazing. My Irish was not a surprise. I'm not going to give everyone my surname because I just you know data protection and all that. Don't want to come talk to me, but. <laughs> Um, I had County Cork as my number one Yay! as well, but it's not a surprise because cool. my surname is apparently one of the most common surnames from County Cork. So that's not shocking. And also I had Donegal and I do know that I've got relatives in there. So that was also not a surprise. But yeah, like it was interesting. Um, 
I wouldn't say that it was like mind-boggling, but it was interesting. That's really cool. I, th- I think it, it did feel a little bit more on the like mind-boggling side, just because I don't have like living relatives in those places. But to know that actually they're just kind of a, a stone's throw away, and the ancestry doesn't even date back that far. We're talking just a, a few generations here. Um, that actually felt really cool. Like it was just nice to connect yeah. with that um, part of like my genetics a little bit more. So. Let's move on to Neanderthal. Now, I'm excited for this because mine, I didn't expect. What was your, like, percentage? So my percentage of Neanderthal DNA didn't give a specific. It just said less than 2%. Well, I'm sorry to think that we're related because I had less than 2% and I have, like, when I've gone on online to look at other people they have like a really large amount and I've had like hardly anything. So like less than 2%. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, it's it's not a huge amount. So we only have more Neanderthal DNA than 25% of other people who've taken this test. So like that's not a huge like proportion, um, I guess. So, I mean, I guess that's good because, you know, well, I don't know, is it? I mean, it's good that we could be related. <laughs> that's, that's really fun. Um, <laughs> But you never know at this point. I mean, I just feel like our tests are matching up quite a bit. But what this website does, which is really fun, is it gives you Neanderthal traits. So it says like of your DNA, like these are the variants that you have that are associated with specific traits. And one of mine, this is absolute gold. I've one variant associated with having a worse sense of direction, (laughs) which if you've ever tried to walk anywhere with me, it's absolutely true. I never know where I am, where I'm going. Is that the road I came down or is that another place? Um, I am the exact yeah. same. So yeah, I guess we're just the same person. Um, I also have one which says that I have a variant associated with experiencing more itchy mosquito bites, which is very I've true. not had that many mosquito bites, but I do have the same variant. There's some really funny ones on here. Um, I don't know how they can test this, right? But one of them is being less likely to sneeze after eating dark chocolate. Like, did the uh, Neanderthals have a lot of dark chocolate? (laughs) Like, how is this true? I don't have that. You don't? Oh, no. I also have been more likely to prefer dark chocolate over milk chocolate, which is bullshit. I fucking love milk chocolate, so... No, I don't have that. Okay, well, this is interesting. That's without the exact same ones. So we don't have the same Neanderthal relative maybe (laughs) no i'm a better sprinter than i'm a distance runner which is 100 percent true i can sprint and then i die okay that's um i can't do long distance i have difficulty discarding rarely used possessions which is also true i'm not a hoarder (laughs) but i like stuff for the record (laughs) i also one about my earlobes oh is this under neanderthal or is this just general traits no this is this is neanderthal i'm more likely to have detached earlobes than attached i do have detached earlobes yeah i've got detached earlobes but apparently i don't that doesn't come from my neanderthal side that'd be from something else also i have one variant associated with eating leafy greens less frequently so i don't eat my greens i have that one as well but again like how can they tell this like i might not always eat the entire bag of salad but i I buy it every week okay so don't shade me one, two, three, whatever this is. Ancestry, DNA, heritage, website. <laughs> 23 and me. I don't know the fucking name of it. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's go on to normal traits. So okay, to cool. give a bit of a background, 23 and me basically say they have all these traits, things like dandruff, cleft chin, <laughs> eye colour, 
and they say guess basically if you have these things or you're less likely to have them which i found really interesting but the funny yeah. thing was the first one that came up for me was apparently my ability to match musical pitch right i'm tone deaf apparently i'm going to be able to match a musical pitch if anyone's heard me sing which they probably haven't which they should be thankful for i cannot so that was wrong okay <laughs> so is this under weird and wonderful yes Okay, cool. Yeah, I have the same. More likely to be able to match musical pitch. And I actually was in my year five choir, so you're welcome. <laughs> Are we going to go through all of these? Because there's a lot. Okay, well, I had a few that were like, I, ju- I just, I, I'll give a little bit of an overview. I won't go through every single one. But basically, I, I, was, I was looking at my physical features first. So it tells you, based on your genetic makeup, what the percentage likelihood is that you have certain physical features. And ex- every single one of mine is is dead on accurate. So, like not having cheek cheek dimples, uh, not having a cleft chin, um, detached earlobes. Um, mm-hmm. That was one that I had. Did you get your eye color right? Yeah, fifty two percent chance of blue eyes, which I do have. Yeah, mine just said likely blue or green. I don't have the percentages. I just put in like the overall thing. Yeah, I've got to admit, like it got most of it right. It's, it predicted that I'm less likely to have. Sorry, I am likely to have like little freckling. Um, yeah, my hair is likely not thick, but straight or wavy. It's I mean it's wavy, so yeah. Mine were dead on as well. Hair texture, hair color, skin pigmentation, like fifty-seven percent chance of not having a unibrow, <laughs> which I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had that. Mine That's was a bit lucky. lower though, so you're a bit more likely to have one. All right. Um, <laughs> did it? Did it guess if you've got a widow's peak? Which, by the way, I didn't know what widow's peak was, but it's actually where your hairline comes down. Like it can look like a v. Dracula hair. Yeah, but the important question is, mm. what was your ice cream flavour preference predicted to be? I have about a 50-50 chance of preferring vanilla or chocolate. So I'm guessing normally it might be like one or the other, but I have both. So I like them both. More likely to prefer chocolate over vanilla ice cream. And I do chocolate. Chocolate ice cream is really, really nice. I do like vanilla. I happily eat it. But yeah, if there's a choice... <laughs> yeah, I will go for chocolate. Also says I likely prefer salty and I um wolfed a packet of ready salted crisps before recording. So also true. Nice. I have to say as well, um the sweet and salty they got right. Like I prefer sweet anything and they, they guessed that right. Don't know how, but oh, you cool. know they did. This is also really funny, right? So c- cilantro, it talks about cilantro on this. So that is what we call coriander, right? I think so. So, uh, yeah, this thing says that I have slightly higher odds of disliking coriander, basically, cilantro. So this, I feel vindicated by this because basically, sometimes, this is just between us guys, okay? But sometimes when my partner cooks, he like over flavors it quite a lot with a lot of stuff including coriander and my theory is that because he smokes all his taste buds are like all all, like shitty and bad so he has to put loads more seasoning in to be able to really taste much and i'm here like oh this is the strongest thing i've ever tasted in my life and now my genetics say that i've slightly higher odds of disliking cilantro so i feel like you know that's also a point for me right <laughs> to be yeah. like, don't put all that in. Let me cook. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how they know that. It's madness. So I wanted to mention one as well, which is uh, it tells me that I'm likely to wake up around eight thirty four a.m. Eight oh seven. Early bird catches the worm. I Why? win. <laughs> how is it telling me when I'm going to wake up? I mean, that's just. I don't get it. 
Yeah, some of the some of the stuff that they like test you for it's pretty amazing like so one of the things that uh I've, apparently i didn't even know this could be like a genetic thing but more likely to have a fear of public speaking which is dead on like i can't i just completely clam up if anybody tries to make me speak in front of loads of other people uh but i i just thought that that was more of like a social fear not something uh, yeah, that could actually that be genetic like, i think everyone has a fear of it so yeah some of these mm. aren't really but then there's some things where it says like i didn't have much hair as a baby and that's true yeah, that part's true for me too. Mm. Same. Odd. Very odd. But yeah, though, that's under like weird and wonderful traits. Um, there's, yeah, there's some quite funny ones there. Yeah, flat feet. Less likely than average to have flat feet. I don't have flat feet. I've got l- lovely arches. <laughs> so that's good. Very happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> have you got any more interesting ones? Um, well, under misophonia, which is fear and hate, hatred of like uh, sounds, it says that I'm less likely to hate chewing sounds. I absolutely really? despise I've chewing sounds. I've got average odds of hating chewing sounds and definitely have misophonia. Like I, I feel like I've nearly killed someone before. Yes, oh my god, same. If anybody is eating and their their mouth is open and they're like smacking their lips and chewing the food, yum yum yum, I want to punch them in the face. <laughs> like it's really hard. The thing is, the funny thing is, I remember the exact moment where I've mm-hmm. had it so bad. I remember I was sat in a uni lecture next to this girl and and she she like dips into her bag and picks up a pack of Pringles, and this is a really quiet lecture hall. It's a really interesting lecture, and she just opens it and she just starts <gasps> chewing with her mouth open these these fucking Pringles. And I remember just looking at her in like absolute shock, just like the audacity of you, woman. Um, she was so loud and it was so obnoxious, and I just wanted yeah, to cry. Yeah, oh my god, I absolutely hate it when people do that. Even to the point where uh, if I'm editing our, like our episodes for this podcast, and you know when you get ready to talk and you make a little like sound, like a sm- like a like your mouth opening noise, I'm like, cut that out. I hate that. That's making me have rage. Like I guess so picky about it um so that's yeah i mean that is one thing on the test that they've got wrong but um and also no everything else is pretty much right so there's one thing that it also gives you which we cannot have in common because that would be statistically impossible which is it tells you your haplogroup which is for women it would be our mitochondria so everybody has mitochondria and there is dna in there that is passed down which it's passed on from mother to mother to mother to mother. And so men have another one. They have the Y chromosome, which only men have. So I would not have my dad's Y paternal chromosome. I mean, I suppose technically that's my haplogroup, but I don't really carry it, so they can't test it. But we have the mitochondria. So this test, which is really awesome, basically tells you what haplogroup you are through your female mitochondria. And there is quite a lot of them, and it would be incredibly weird if we had the same one. If we did, I'd be like, I'm questioning 23B right now, unless we are actually yeah. related, which requires research in itself. So what haplogroup did you get? H24. Okay, cool. Right, that's not mine. What's yours? Uh, mine is 2TB. Well, why aren't ours even in the same like format? You're not going to be like H34 so or something. H is the most common. All right, I see what you're saying. <laughs> you're saying I'm common as muck. <laughs> I honestly, I've only been learning about this today because I didn't really know about it and I wasn't sure what you'd be. But then that's really interesting because it now means that we can like kind of discuss it a bit more. So did you get, did it give you like an example ancestor of yours that that it connects you to or anything like that? Uh, Yeah, only Marie Antoinette. Oh, cool. How did they know that? Maybe. Did they dig up her body? A bit, maybe, I don't know. They might have done. (laughs) 
I mean, she wasn't dead that long ago. I mean, 100 years, 200, 300, I don't know. I don't know what they do with, like, famous dead people's bodies. Like, like if they should be, should be buried as normal. But sometimes they get put in, like, a church or, like, a tomb or something. Like, all the, you know, cathedrals and stuff. They'll have, like, big, you know, tombs. I am going to raise you her, though, for someone that I've got. Go on. Because I've also got Charlemagne in my French uh Thing. I mean, I already know I'm related to Charlemagne, so that doesn't really. All right, that's, that's okay. Throwing down the gauntlet. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Give it, give it, give it to me. What did you get? So I basically got a a Viking warrior woman who they originally thought was a man, but she was a Viking warrior lady, and she was awesome. And they found her with a sword and shield. I don't think you can beat that. I remember reading about uh, the discovery of this uh, skeleton when it was like archaeologically found. And that's my grandma. Oh, that's so cool. I'm super duper jealous. But like, I do have Scandinavian um, DNA anyway, which is like uh, a Norway, Sweden and Denmark. So I could have some Viking ancestors, maybe, probably. <laughs> maybe just not that one. It's <laughs> just a different Viking. Probably a cool like Viking king or something, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm grasping at straws here. <laughs> what was your uh, What was your number after the H again? Uh, 24 24 okay um i don't know too much about that one but apparently generally the haplogroup group hate <laughs> i thought you were gonna be like apparently generally they're all fucking shit <laughs> <laughs> i was actually gonna say the highest frequencies so it apparently reaches 45 percent in europe 20 percent in turkey and the caucasus and around 10 percent in gulf countries so i have a little bit of information about you there you're welcome oh, okay cool all right cool what can you tell me i know that's it that's literally it <laughs> oh, okay it's just that i'm common in europe and a bit in but Turkey i can tell you all about mine golf countries countries where they play golf yes the golf i assume it means like the, around the golf stream the golf like with the u yeah <laughs> not just a lot of golfers cool. hate chaplain group <laughs> yeah like i don't know female golfers maybe maybe i don't have a viking warrior maybe <laughs> i have female golfers as my ancestors eat that <laughs> but mine mine is commonly found in europe and is most frequent in the mediterranean central and western regions of the continent including italy germany and ireland um but also the middle east and they think that's where it actually stems from is asia which is cool um it reaches as far as like iran and stuff oh cool so that's your maternal line which, well, it says it's kind of originated in Asia, but this is such a long, like, this Viking warrior woman is just someone that was on the line who happened to be in that group. But generally this, your haplo group will go, like, so far back that they could have, like, it would have been, that's where they find them in a lot of countries because obviously human mm. populations travel. So it would have probably would have originated in Asia, but largely it's found in the Mediterranean. Um, apparently it's most commonly found in all the places, Tunisia, Greece and right. Croatia, but only 5% of people in the British Isles have it, apparently. So I'm I'm of that 5%, which is mad. So you're, you're, you get to be a little rare unicorn again. <laughs> yes, but I'm not the most rarest, because apparently the most rarest is haplotype X. And only 1% of the population have that. So if you're X, then get in contact, because you're more special than yeah, me. Yeah, you'll be the, the biggest unicorn of them all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Um, I would definitely recommend googling your one although i've said it's common like there's probably going to be a lot more interesting stuff with it um so have a google and, and see what it says i don't i don't take that as an insult if anything there's more of me than there are of you so <laughs> <It's true. laughs> 
Not that it's a competition. <laughs> of course not. Apparently there's 4,000 different haplogroups in total. So wow. that's why I said I it would have been loads. extremely weird for us to have the same one. So it's it's really yeah. interesting. But I bet that, I mean, yeah, we would have like some common ancestor because we're both having blue eyes and stuff. And like, even that's just like cool to know that like because because i know that the blue eye gene i mean correct me if i'm wrong because you are the scientist but i know that the blue eye gene like that was a genetic mutation that was found like they found the first person to ever have that genetic mutation and because uh the person was a man from africa so uh stark blue eyes against his dark skin was clearly seen as like a very attractive mating uh prospect and so that blue eye gene basically just got spread around loads and yeah. so for whatever our haplogroups or whatever other uh common ancestors that we might have had it's just really interesting to know that like god you go far back enough and like we will all be related in to some degree oh, of course. uh for, for because of some trait or some you know gene uh i think that's something that's sort of just really start to fascinate me about all of this like it's just it's amazing how much you can actually find out yeah and it's amazing as well so i think they say that that blue eye gene occurred sort of around the kind of middle east but so you're right about the dark skin and the blue eyes and there are still some people i think in some countries like turkey where you can see actually how like beautiful it looks like the contrast and yeah it was a completely freak thing like most genetic mutations have a purpose and so this was just something that randomly happened but because it was seen to be so attractive that's why it got in the gene pool and that's why it could be tracked back to mm. one person which is crazy so yeah we are somewhat related but i imagine that we are some sort of relation because if you are related to charlemagne and we also have similar dna constructs and we're both kind of irish and scottish probably at some point we are related um do you think that like our ancestors at some point like a couple of them would have had a drink in the pub and then like once things the world reopens again like we'll just be having a drink in the pub and it'll be like oh nothing's changed <laughs> like <laughs> Maybe. although personally i don't know if there would have been a pub when our ancestors were hanging out i think it would have been more like a cave ye oldie tavern oh okay i was thinking like maybe you know like times when europe was still happening and like it wasn't oh, maybe, we weren't yeah. in like cavemen I'm, times I'm going back to cave james this time um yeah probably <laughs> i'm sure speaking of cave james um hello meet me <laughs> because um you, so wellness traits did you not get these i didn't want to pay the extortion amount of money to get the wellness traits so I got them. It's, it's, it comes with a little bit of a disclaimer because basically if you pay the extra for that, it will test you for any variants or strains that come up of carrying particular genetic uh, illnesses. So obviously there can be some which are which can be serious potentially. So it, there's just a bit of a disclaimer that like, look, if you want to know that you could potentially develop something like this, like this test will tell you that. Um, thankfully, I didn't have anything like really severe oh, or anything fantastic. like that so i'm very very lucky I was there you're gonna come and give us bad news <laughs> yeah no like i'm not, don't worry i've not got some like really rare genetic um you know uh ailment thankfully yeah, yeah. i'm very very lucky i think that's why i didn't um, want to pay for it because i was like i don't want to pay to be sad yeah because also like if i if i get sick at like i don't know i mean a, 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 a somewhat older age like once i've retired like by that point you know 
I I think I'd be in a position to be like, I can accept this now. Like I've had my life and had my family and done everything I want to do and something's going to take me out of the game at this point. So whatever it is, that's fine. But yeah, the idea of finding out something that could be debilitating, that could affect you like younger, that would that would be potentially I don't know it could change your it makes you like question your mortality and stuff so it's like helpful though apparently a lot of um people have like got or not had their lives saved but had been able to catch these issues yeah. before they sh- like that showed up which has been really good for them and I think it I think it saved one guy's life apparently because he didn't know he had some sort of heart condition and then he went into the doctors and they like sorted mm. it for him so they were able to treat him and they stopped it having any kind of repercussions Morbid, you know yeah that's really lucky yeah. that that is a good a good part of this but like, i mean our genetic makeup's pretty similar so like if i'm fine at this point we can probably bet that you are too so don't worry about it <laughs> we're all probably okay it's fine i unfortunately i know about a lot of my genetic issues so, um, so it's fine that, uh, that's that's good i mean yeah anything coming your way at least you kind of have a, a heads up about yes it's fine the, the only reason that i said hey i'm cave james was because under muscle composition it says that i've tested for the kind of muscle composition that is common in elite power athletes so and you missed you missed your day job i know so when i clicked on it like it said this could uh like basically this gene shows that uh these kind of uh power athletes the gene is helpful for things like sprinters throwers and jumpers I i don't like sprinting and I don't like jumping, but throwing, I can't, I'm a natural thrower and I've never even tried to utilize this strength that I didn't even know I had. I've never even thrown so much as a tantrum since like, I was a kid. <laughs> thrown some parties, which were, which were, which were good, but I feel Throwing like, some shapes? Yeah, throw some, I always throw in shapes <laughs> and shade, <laughs> which is what I thought you were going <laughs> to say, because in group chats, I'm always the one that's like, near shade <laughs> just as a joke but um yeah but th- objects you know shot puts power throwing that's what i should be doing i should be like a i should be like a, a female athlete like throwing some shit so um, i can just imagine you now in your flat just throwing my partner around <laughs> well, i was gonna say you just wake someone in the night and just hear keep saying this banging and all this noise because you're there just throwing shit around <laughs> it's in my jeans i meant to be doing this <laughs> um yeah so there you go elite power athletes yay go me i i I might start throwing who knows i don't know what else did you get from this what from the wellness stuff yeah uh likely tolerant to lactose so um that's you know i can have i can have cheese i can honor my french and german ancestors um it also said like under genetic weight i am predisposed to weigh more than average so like I'm allowed a little bit of chub, thank you very much. I don't need to be model thin, so <laughs> screw you, Western beauty standards. Um, and this this actually is the test throwing me a bit of shade. <laughs> Likely to consume more caffeine, <laughs> which which is which is oh, also pretty true. Shade. Well, yeah, but it's you know it's like bad for you and stuff, isn't it? So, oh well. But it's good. It tastes so good. Coffee, yeah. Good. Um, but yeah, there's there's other stuff on there. So like sleep movement. Apparently, I move more than average. So it says the average person moves about twelve or thirteen times an hour, which seems really high anyway. Um, but apparently, I will mm. move about sixteen times an hour. So like a proper sleep true? fighter. I don't know. I'm asleep, and you know, my partner doesn't wake up covered in bruises. So I don't think I'm like fighting him <laughs> overnight. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and uh, less likely to be a deep sleeper. But I am a really deep sleeper. Like, I, I sleep through everything. I remember so many times of, like, going into school and everybody was like, oh, my God, did you hear that storm last night? And just being like, what? <laughs> uh, what? What storm? I had nothing. <laughs> I was just dead to the world. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I don't know. So, so yeah, I mean, hopefully the you know the power athlete thing is cool, despite the deep sleeper thing not being true. But um, yeah, there's some, just some cool stuff on there. Um, so yeah, was, I feel like it was worth getting those results. They're like quite fun. Cool, that's good. I I might do it in the future because with twenty three and me, if you don't do it initially, you can pay to do it later on. So maybe one day I'll uh, have a little look. Um. So does that bring us to science section? It does. So we're bringing science section forward a little bit in this episode, just because I feel like it would be good to actually talk about yeah. these test kits and kind of explain a little bit about how this whole DNA thing works. Now, I know you say I'm a scientist. You said it a little while ago, but I must confess so that everyone knows I'm not really a proper scientist. I'm not a geneticist. I'm not a DNA expert. I literally just look at animals and count bats at the moment. So I can't say that I know everything, but you know, I know a little bit and I feel like I know enough to kind of explain it in a really basic way. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to explain it a little bit about how they work because obviously we've just done them. So I think it'll be quite interesting to to look at that. So yeah. And this is what we did in the personality test thing. Weigh the accuracy. Like we analyze it, but is it reliable? Over to you. So to give a very brief overview, there are three billion base pairs of your genetic code. And each individual letter contains the instructions to make you, so that'll make you good at throwing, have brown hair, move around a lot in your <laughs> sleep. And each of these pairs will either contain an A, C, T or G. And so there's obviously you're going to have a lot of them and they're all going to be in different combinations. So force forward to whenever we did our test, you basically spit in a tube and you send it to either 23andMe, Ancestry or MyHeritage. It was pretty hard, not going to lie. <laughs> it was pretty disgusting. And I felt dirty afterwards. They get your sample. Um, they actually don't look at every single letter, which I think is something that's really important to know. They only look at a tiny fraction of your DNA. And this fraction that they're mostly looking at, I, do, I can't say the same for every single one of them, but I know for definitely Ancestry don't look at everything. They look out for the locations on the genome, which is basically your set of DNA, where people commonly vary from one another. So 99% uh, of us have the same base mm -hmm. pairs so 99.9% we're, we're almost identical but it's like the 0.1% that we all differ so what they do is they look for the differences mm -hmm. in where we differ and that's what makes us individual so it'll be like yeah why someone's taller why someone has brown eyes and not blue eyes and what they do is they look at all of these differences and compare them to all of these locations and see where the patterns are similar where they're not similar so really, when you simplify it, it's kind of like, right, so it's very location-based. So they obviously can track people's paternal ancestry by looking at the Y chromosome instead earlier and female chromosomes by looking at the mitochondria. And so that's generally where they look at it, but they also look at the other 22 non-sex chromosomes against their massive databases. Right. So it's all very database and it's very reliant on their own databases because 23andMe, Ancestry, MyHeritage, they each have different ones, which is kind of where the problem comes in, which is why I wanted to do a different test to my dad to see, you know, what I kind of got up. And so obviously these big companies will then put your DNA up against the reference groups, like people of Spanish, Australasian, African, or, you know, even just British. And they just try and see if you have common ancestors of people in that group. 
But the problem is, because they're all so different, no one really knows how, like, accurate they are. Right, I see. So I thought they'd, like, actually be testing. Like, I mean, this is going to prove how much of a scientist I'm not. But, like, I imagined test tubes, litmus paper... (laughs) (laughs) like petri dishes (laughs) like they're actually they get the tube and they're like right you know oh it's turned red that means they're neanderthal like (laughs) something that they were actually testing but actually they just use a reference group so i imagine that they have very generic um testing stations for things like location i think testing neanderthal dna they're probably looking out for markers um, so they will, you know, 23 and me are good in that regard that they do a little bit more. And the traits, as I said, I don't know how they do the traits. I don't know how they do Neanderthal stuff because that's different. But talking mm. more about location wise, that's kind of the thing that people really want to do the test for. It's because they want to be like, oh, am I Spanish? Am I Asian? Like, what am I? But the problem with these reference groups is they're changing constantly. So when my dad first did his ancestry test, he had somewhere come up that was called Caucasia. And this is still correct, like he still does have that ancestry there. But the thing is, as they get more reference groups in, as they get more locations in, if you imagine adding it to a big boiling pot, everything Mm. eventually looks smaller. Any small bits could actually disappear because they're getting more in. So they're saying, well, we've just got a load of shit from Britain about these reference groups in Britain, put that in there. And then some of the little bits disappear, which is mad isn't it so like when we get our tests that like influences the the accuracy of the reference groups as well and becomes like a bigger reference group yes oh, it's I kind see. of flawed in a lot of ways i'm not gonna lie yeah so you have to like <laughs> it's like you're just helping them like map out <laughs> yeah. what genetic stuff appears where rather than them like going oh yeah we've tested for everything this is accurate yeah and this is constantly changing. So I recommend anyone that has done a DNA test, keep looking because it will change. They will. So for example, if you know that you have, say you're Chinese and you have Chinese descent from this really remote village in China, but 23andMe Ancestry and MyHeritage do not have a reference group of you on the system, that's not showing up. Right. So it's going to be really dependent on what they've actually got, which is why I know some of my stuff, which I talk about a bit later in the episode, isn't on there. It's because they don't really have good reference to it. And we've been able to find it in another analysis kind of system. But yeah, it's it's really interesting in that regard. So that's why I think it's worth mentioning that DNA tests are fun, but there is definitely a lot of downfall, like downsides to it. Mm, I see um, that. And also the only thing to, to know is like, you don't always inherit every single piece of DNA from your parents either. So you may still be related to like particular type of people or population but you're not always going to get the the one marker to that if that makes sense mm. um and it's the percentages the percentages are a problem so they like to put you in groups and that's one bad thing about them so it might say that you're 23 percent european 24 percent chinese and the algorithm basically says okay well you have this therefore the next person that comes along that also has this is also this and so it kind of goes on this domino effect of like of that if that makes sense and so that could be kind right. of flawed and there's going to be a lot of inconsistencies and yeah that's why i kind of wanted to go into it a little bit to kind of explain that you're kind of trusting their reference groups more so than you are your own dna if that makes sense yeah i understand so yeah it's kind of 
an evolving thing. So at some point in the future, I could... What you're saying is, at some point in the future, I could get a cooler ancestor than you. <laughs> I mean, your haplogroup ain't changing. I'm not going to lie to you. That's, that's fact. That's not going away. But you could end up having a really cool thing that comes in that says basically you've got all these relatives in this random remote island off the philippines yeah okay i mean that would be like very like cool to find out because yeah there's there's i don't i don't know if any like ancestry like all my living relatives are just uk (laughs) (laughs) um so uh yeah that would definitely be like unusual but cool (laughs) no one is ever truly one thing you can't put someone's dna down to percentages really because although it says that i'm 100 percent european again incorrect no one is any really 100 percent anything because we all just i mean this is going to be controversial i mean i obviously believe in evolution but we all descend from apes in africa and maybe some in asia that's up for debate at the moment but we all come from the same people and so therefore it's so, do you know what I mean? You can't say that I'm 20% this, I'm 50% this, because we're all just a big boiling pot of mixed people, which is an- another thing right. to say. And if you go far back enough, we're, we'd just all be African. That's where all life originated from, was on yeah. that continent, human life. That's where we evolved. So you trace it far back enough, and that's that's where, yeah. where life started, our, our species. So, yeah. And so I feel like it's another argument for fucking against racism because we're all just the same like we're all such a mixed bag like i went on i'm gonna go into this in a bit but onto this website where it sort of narrows down more of your ancient history Mm. and your ancient dna we're all just a mixed pot of everything so just treat everyone the same because you don't you know what i mean like this racism is stupid anyway that's that's my takeaway from this Science section, racism is stupid. <laughs> and that's scientific fact now, guys. So um, there you go. It's, yeah, yeah. it's irrefutable. So summarise, <laughs> big inconsistencies, big margin of error. They don't really tell you about that. That's it. Okay. But it's still interesting and it's still fun. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just been like a lot of fun discussing it. And like, you know, not that I realised that, you know, we would be so competitive or I would be so competitive with you but but to find out that like you know we've got some similarities and like the traits and stuff like they're they're just so fun and you know um yeah it might not all be completely accurate but in the future if more and more people do it they can become more accurate because yeah more more uh genetic um structures or whatever can be traced and uh and then yeah we can you know tap into more information so uh i I guess that's a good thing yeah the more and more people get tested the better the more reference groups the better um it's not it's going to always be changing so it's always going to be interesting um but i guess that kind of leads us into our next section where i'm going to kind of go into that by saying dna is great dna tests are great and there it's like a good starter Mm for learning about your ancestry and your genetics. But one of the biggest things, if you want to explore your ancestry, is your family's personal history. So like speaking to your grandparents, um, your great grandparents, finding out like information from them while they're alive is something that I really recommend. And then also being able to get that information to then do actual like online searching where you find out stuff through censuses or well, yeah, just basically censuses, because that's pretty much all it is. <laughs> yeah, sorry to tell you, that's literally, you'll just be going through birth, death, all that kind of shit. Um, 
but that's where I found a lot of my interesting backstory, which I can't see in a DNA test. Like some of my shit is really interesting, but you don't see it in a DNA test. So just because maybe you've got a DNA test and you think, oh, that looks pretty shit. Like I'm 100% reappearing, how boring. Well, it may not be. It may not be. So yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you were able to find out that the DNA test doesn't know? Yeah, I mean, so this is kind of like going to go through my journey of my ancestry, which I'm afraid might be a bit long and I'm very sorry, but I find it interesting. So I'm hoping that everyone else does. Um, One of the first things I found out actually on my dad's side was that we had a gateway ancestor. So my dad for a long time was looking um, to get past this person, which he couldn't find anything about. Um, And there were rumours about how he was like the illegitimate son of like somebody with a lot of money. Um, Apparently... It was spoken about that through the generations that there would often be someone in a horse and cart that would come along and give him like money and play with him and visit him and stuff like this young boy. And it was all very weird. And my nan would always talk about it and say that we had rich relatives. And my dad was always like, okay. Um, But then my dad eventually found who it was. And it turns out that it links us straight up to William the Conqueror. Not proud of that because I know he was a bit of a knob, but it also (laughs) takes us through kings. So effectively, like, my, me and my dad and obviously my family are direct descendants from William the Conqueror and everyone else that goes shit. below. Which was amazing. And my dad, like, was so happy about it because he's very much, like, he loves British history. I mean, the good parts. Um, and everything like that. He, he's, a, like, a massive sort of historian kind of guy. And, mm. and so for him, it was, like, amazing. And, like, he, we got him, like, a little picture of saying, like, basically these are the people that you you know it goes straight down kind of like what they did for Danny Dyer on uh, who you think you <laughs> yeah. are because that was a fun oh, yeah, he found out he was related <laughs> to royalty and stuff didn't he it was basically like that which was cool and also there's also a Jewish side to my family which we didn't know about it was very much hidden away because when it was sort of asked upon it was around World War Two, and they just kept saying that they were Spanish but we recently found out that they were actually Jewish. Um, we did see this in the DNA from using another program called GEDmatch, which I don't recommend using, but you can put your DNA onto it and it t- takes you to basically all the databases, but it's not intuitive. It's like a scientific program. It's really hard to use. But we found out that basically we are like some part Azkabani Jew and it's actually quite close. It's only, I think it's my great grandmother that we think was quarter or half Jewish. So that's quite close, which was awesome. But the most interesting thing we found out i only found out in may so this is quite recent which i know you know about leah because i yes. told you about it but so on my dad's side on my granddad's side we kind of assumed that there was not very much going on with them we thought they were quite not boring that's a really bad word to say but they kind but of like local i guess is what you're saying like oh they're just from here there's no more yeah we thought they were from dorset in hampshire and nothing really got more interesting than that um, they all kind of originate from a place called Ringwood, which is a very small town in Hampshire. Uh, an old town, but a, but a small town where nothing really happened. And um, yeah, literally not really much going on. And my dad could never get past this one particular guy. His name was Francis. And he could never get past him. He was christened, like, well, baptised when he was 16, which is really late in those times. Most people wouldn't right. be baptised at that age. At age 16 it just just wouldn't happen and um his age didn't match up with his parents which was weird like he was almost too old to be to have been his parents son they would have had to have him like way young and out of wedlock yeah, or something but even then i think she was probably biologically too young to have had a child so mm. um something didn't seem right and for a long time he didn't know about this for years and then one day he just decided out of nowhere to just google his name 
And he ended up taking mm-hmm. her to um, like a geneticist page for like um, ancestry and things. And this lady was talking up about this guy with the same name, born in the same time, everything, same description, going up, you know, and like his relatives, all the same. So there's no doubt that this person that she was talking about was the same guy um, saying that mm. basically, oh, this is where it goes into a bit of craziness. Um, he was half Native American, half like African. I'm not sure where in Africa. And we were a bit like, wait, what? Like in Ringwood? So she explained it because she lives in America and she has Native American, I think it was a mother. She has a Native American mother that happened to be from the exact same mm. tribe, which is madness, that he was. So she basically did her DNA. She's pretty much a genealogist, I think. She knows a hell of a lot and she's written papers on it. So I assume that she has credentials. And it was from this particular tribe called the Tuscarora tribe. And she basically found that she had this DNA on her father's side, but she knew that her father's side came from Hampshire and Ringwood. And wouldn't, why would they have it? So she like went over it. And this was in the 90s as well. She showed this a long time ago. She went over it loads. She was like, no, there, it's definitely come from there. Like, how is this possible? It turns out that Francis was obviously half Native American, half Tuscarora, but then also from Africa because he was brought over from Jamaica to Ringwood in the 1700s. So to give a bit of backstory into American history, not much, but there was a big war called the Tuscarora War that was in North Carolina. And so what they would have done is after the war, it didn't go well for the Tuscarora people, unfortunately. A lot of those people were taken as slaves and sent to Jamaica to do all the sugar cane plantation work. Yeah, gosh. And I think some of them are still alive. I think there is some Tuscarora descendants, but generally a lot of them were taken there. And so that was his mother. And then obviously she would have met someone from Africa that was brought over as a slave. They would have had Francis. We know that he was brought over when he was very young and he was likely brought over as a page boy, which they did a lot in England. There happened to be a lot of great houses in Hampshire where he probably was a page boy. And for people who might not know what a page boy means, it's like a servant that's treated as a member of the household like a, yeah. like a child would be so they have some they get the family name and they have like you know provisions name uh, made for them and then uh, often get adopted into the family as well i see that's not true unfortunately oh they don't get treated that nicely and they don't get oh, the family God. name so what happened likely happened was because there was a lot of old paintings around this time you can actually find them in a lot of old historic houses where you see like the young African boys and babies and they're almost dressed up very lavishly but they almost were treated like pets and it sounds horrendous oh god that is horrendous yeah but they do they do say that in a lot of literature that they weren't it wasn't abnormal to have them treated with love and kindness and respect and like a part of the family but it wasn't always the case right now i hope for francis that he was of course that he was treated nicely but they say often what happens is when they get to age you know when obviously one of these young boys would have grown up or girls i don't know if they were always boys but that they would have been taken into uh, another house. So back in the day, when they were brought over to England, they weren't seen as slaves. So at this time, Britain had a thing where they said that they weren't slaves, they were servants. Because at this point, the UK was very against slavery. Right, but this just seems like semantics, though, because it's definitely like doing the exact same thing, right? Oh, it is, yeah. Yeah. They're putting you into a life of servitude, not slavery. It sounded better to them, which is awful. We'll do it. We'll just pay you a pittance and not treat you that nicely. Yeah. Like, not a big difference. So as they would have got older, they would have still been servants. But 
it wasn't unlikely that they could have been taken on as a labourer or something else. This was rare to not happen. It happened mostly in London, but it could happen elsewhere. So what then happened, we believe, is because the family that he went into were not rich. They were not one of the rich houses. Like I've done a lot of research into this. Mm. Um, they were just, they were just, they were labourers, and one of them was a Thatcher. And basically, it seems that they adopted him as an apprentice. They baptised him. They then took his family name. He then became part of their family. So he would have mm. exited the rich manor house that would probably weren't treating him that nicely to then become like a part of another family. And he became a Thatcher and he lived out his life. And I hope wow. it was a happy one because it the beginning did not sound happy at all. And it was very shocking to hear, to be honest. Right. And this is, I mean, it's... a did you say 1700s where this happened yeah but that's amazing like so that that you have those roots from i mean average of 10 generations ago maybe nine like so yeah it was it was he was my like fifth or sixth great-grandfather absolutely insane like the fact that like I mean, you had no idea like no nobody in your family had any idea that he would he would have been you know native american half native american half african well he had an he had an mm. english name they'd given him obviously an anglicized mm. name and he took the the surname of the people that he were with and so i imagine that actually this has happened a lot more in people's lives and answered than they realize because you see a name on a register on a census that looks like an english name probably is you don't know that that person has come from mm. somewhere else and this is one of the really interesting things about this is and actually quite a sad thing as well I found out that on my mum's side, there was also some Native American DNA and African, but we weren't sure mm. why. We we can't quite track him back to, to Francis, but we found out from doing this. Back in the day, when the Americans were colonising America and whatever in the USA, they would be paid to take Native American or Native Indian wives to basically try and get rid of them, the DNA, you know, like disintegrate the DNA. They would give them anglicised names, they would have their children, but they were trying to breed out them, which again is a horrible, barbaric thing to do. I know they're taking them as wives and whatever, but still it's one of those things, just the idea of it and just saying it just sounds yeah. awful. Yeah. And so people don't realise that, you know, people didn't realise that there was people that were half African, half Native American living in a small town in Ringwood mm. where everyone was white. Like, but it happened, but people don't necessarily talk about it and it's it's a right and like you said on paper you're just not gonna know no it's like completely covered up i mean that yeah that that is amazing like what a family story to have been able to uncover from doing this and looking into your ancestry and yeah you know like you were saying the fact that it's you know a 10 ish generations ago and no one in your family had any idea and clearly, like, uh, 23andMe doesn't either because there's been no Native American in, in your DNA um, no. test result. So, so I had a bit of a reason for that because obviously it may be a bit strange. But the woman who we got in contact with who wrote in a paper about, about this guy and everything, she tested our DNA to hers and she found all the markers. She found all of the, the DNA because she tested basically against people that she knows have Tuscarora DNA and we have it. And so she's able to do it on this site called Jed Match. Again, it's had a lot of controversy because they found like a murderer on it um, who put his DNA test on there. So the police might be able to find you, but as long as you're not killing yeah, people, as long it's as you're, you're okay. You can upload your DNA on there <laughs> and it takes you to more databases. So that's a better way to be able to understand your DNA. If you want to, if you're a bit more logically, scientifically minded and you feel like comfortable in doing that, go mm. for it, whatever. But that's what she did. Um, 
I don't understand much what she was doing but so you it is there but these tests that just have those small databases probably don't have people with Tuscarora DNA or other Native American DNA on there necessarily especially ones that unfortunately went through wars and don't have as much fast DNA as they would have done if they if they survived and and yeah it's it's such a tough one because yes these tests are really good but just know that they don't tell you everything about your history like some people say to me oh i'm not even going to bother doing my ancestry i know nothing's interesting up there but i'm like well i didn't think that i had that shit going on but look right you would have said the same thing before taking it like oh yeah you know my entire family's just from you know this area that i've lived in for most of my life so that's it um but actually dig a little deeper and a lot more stuff comes to light Yeah, that's amazing. Really amazing. I don't have any such cool stories or, you know, ancestry things. I do have one, though, which I can't, I don't know if I've told you this or not, or if I was about to say it and then you went, save it for the podcast. (laughs) Probably did, yeah. I think I, I think I kept saying that. So, uh, this goes back to like a few years ago when, uh, my mum was putting our, our family tree together and actually side note I called up my grandparents earlier and I uh, like just asked a little bit about uh you know our ancestry and like if there was anything that they knew or remembered or how far back they traced it um my grand got a, l- a little bit confused and she she's going a little bit deaf so I'm not sure she could hear me and then she put the phone to my granddad and he was like oh well uh, it's almost time for me to go and have a beer now it was about 11 45 this morning so unfortunately I wasn't able to get much out of them <laughs> but I do remember one story that uh my mum managed to dig up uh when she was looking into this a few years ago and uh she traced like my dad's paternal line um uh, all the way back as far as she could and she reached uh again like you said i guess they're called gateway ancestors somebody who you can't get yeah. past this guy's name was thomas basically uh so she couldn't get past thomas she couldn't find a certificate for him who the hell is he and from basically just trial and error and checking like every parish record every census record she was able to find another thomas uh, with the same date of birth on a different census. Um, so she's able to find this ancestor again, but he had a different surname. Uh, his surname was Thorne. And basically he had been, he'd been born, um, Thomas Thorne. Uh, so she was able to, 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 uh, find his birth certificate with that name on it. Um, he'd been Thomas Thorne for a time and then had gone into the military, had a dishonorable discharge, um, gotten married and had some kids and quite possibly what we think is that he'd got into a little bit of trouble with the law. Right. So the next census record that he found, he changed his name to what my family name is now. So basically the reason you got that name is because your family was a criminal. It's made up. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Completely made up. That descendant was just an absolute fucking like scoundrel by the sound. What did of he it. do that made him change his name? I don't know if he had people after him. I don't know if he like owed money or had like done something wrong or was like avoiding the law or quite what. But yeah, he changed his name to what my family name is. Could have been a murderer. Could've... Yeah, he could have been. I don't know. Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's where, so my family name is not actually real. It's just, uh, based on, um, I'm not going to lie to you. I personally think that the other surname was cooler. I do too. I might change it back. I might just go to Leah Thorne from now on. I think that'd be cool. And it's Thorne with an E as well, which is like 
thorny. It's quite like quite cool. <laughs> it is cool. Yeah, that's a good like writer name, I think. Okay, I'll publish under it then. I mean, I'm not saying I don't like your current name. It's cool, but the thorn is cooler because like every rose has its thorns. You know, it's like <laughs> more dramatic. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well that's yeah, so cool. That's like the one like family story that I somewhat know. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have that many, really, up until I randomly got, you know, a few. But the funny thing is with the ancestors, and like we were saying before, everyone at some point is related. And it always takes me back to this one time where I was, I was with my dad on holiday and I'd fallen down the hole and we'd both been been doing it when we were when we were away because apparently we just can't stop <laughs> so you're on a holiday trying to get a suntan and then you're like oh dad let's just fire up the wi-fi <laughs> yeah we, we were staying in this villa for like two weeks and i think i was doing my dissertation and i was doing anything to get myself distracted from it and we weren't doing much apart from like sitting by the pool and yeah we just started talking about it so i was like oh yeah i'll help you out i'll try and find it and basically that's when we found out that we were descended from charlemagne because we effectively just kept going up from william mm-hmm. the conqueror so we just were on wikipedia and all you have to do is once you get to one of those ancestors, once your ancestors on Wikipedia, <laughs> then you just keep going up and up and up on the parents because it's just one button where it says like. And they've all got a page. Yeah, exactly. So we went past Charlemagne, went past everyone. Then we got to Rollo, um, the Viking, yeah. which was cool. And then we just kept going and going and going. And then we got to Odin, and I was like, Dad, we're direct descendants of Odin. And he was like, oh, Okay, cool. Uh, and then I just kept That's going. That's pretty badass. And going and going until I got to the first human, which basically was um, a character in a book. It was this guy that was in a block of ice, effectively. This was the first human. This is this is basically mythology at this point, but this still it says this was <laughs> fact, right? It says this was my ancestor. And he got licked out of the block of ice by a cow, and that was the birth of the first human. And... Uh, I think we just have to accept that once you get to that point, it's all a bit silly, isn't it, really? But Yeah, because also, if that was the first human, but he was a character in a book, who wrote the book? Well, exactly. Yeah? This is the thing. Because <laughs> the thing is, if you just keep going up from your ancestors, the kings and everything, it will take you to mythical gods like Odin. I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah. proud of the fact that I'm Odin's great, great thousand granddaughter. What well, more than that? <laughs> billionth granddaughter. But also... I don't know if Odin actually existed. So obviously you can only go so far with ancestry. So you don't need to go that far back. I've already done it. You're welcome. Yeah, but I love the TV show Vikings. And I just feel like Odin, like, he's he's like the coolest god, you know? <laughs> I know. So don't mess with me is what I'm trying to say. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll admit defeat on the ancestry episode. Warrior. You can win. Got, got Odin. I don't know oh, why I was cool. where I was going with that tangent. But anyway, I think this leads us nicely into Creative Corner. <laughs> yeah creative corner so um i've been thinking of like different stuff that i could do in creative corner because i think for you know a few like the last couple of episodes we've talked about media portrayals and then we've talked about like recommendations and that's all very well and good but like there's a lot more to creativity than that so um i was kind of like just having a little research and thinking about what kind of stuff could be ancestry and creative and the biggest area that i've seen in, of like being creative in terms of your ancestry is actually in like creating and designing family trees um which is a really really cool project that i totally want to do now <laughs> so you can use different materials i've seen loads where people have like you know taken stuff off the page and use like fabric wood logs oh, or like cool. even actual trees and branches and stuff 
Um, so having or making that like a, a family project or an individual one. Um, so yeah, there's there's like absolute like no limits to to what people have been able to do and you know i think in terms of having that depicted that would be really cool um for creatives like me who are more into the words than the visuals uh ancestry has a huge place in literature as well and um, so particularly on the topic of families and bloodlines uh so this pretty much can be traced back to the bible um which spends like pages and pages of the old testament listing who begat who and then they begat another and then then begat them which oh is God, pretty much what begat. i'm gonna use that <laughs> I begat you. That doesn't even make any sense but that's pretty much where you got to with the with the odin stuff and like you know the rollo and everything like you know on wikipedia just looking back like they begat them and they begat them <laughs> that started a big begat <laughs> exactly love that word do you know what I really miss on BBC One Begat Week <laughs> <laughs> terrible joke I'm bringing that terrible back joke. that word thanks <laughs> Um, but even since then, even since like the Old Testament and you know all mythology and stuff, um, ancestry as a literary tradition is hugely prominent. Um, like in Shakespeare uh, is a big one. So like you've got Henry the Fourth to Romeo and Juliet, um, which are all sort of storylines centered in some way around ancestry, um, and they're just a breeding ground for drama. So like thematically, this is something that that we just see all over. Uh, the same in fantasy, my genre of choice. Um, there's, you've got the whole plot device of like secret magical bloodlines or like secret royal bloodlines, like Aragorn in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so, like as a as a an inspiration to like create something or or write something, it just makes my imagination go berserk. I was just gonna say, sorry, just quickly go back to begatting. Yeah, um, <laughs> I misinterpreted the word, and I'm I don't know what I've just said when I was saying begat, so I thought it meant to like start a fight, but I've now realised that it's to like have a baby. Yeah, if I had a kid, I would have begat that kid. <laughs> your parents begat you, your grandparents begat them. I thought you were saying like, oh, they started a fight, like I begat you, like I'm pissed off at you, like this is bad, but now I just realised that I was shouting I'm gonna have babies with everyone, so... <laughs> Oh, that's okay. I didn't realise that you were shouting, I'm going to begat you. <laughs> I don't know if I said those words exactly, but I was saying it a lot. And so anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you know what? I'm just really glad that we figured this out before you in some way got into a real fight with somebody. <laughs> or even just one in like this comment section of a YouTube video going, I'm going to begat you, motherfucker. And the other person thinking, this has gotten weird. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, she's saying, I'm going to have one of your offspring. Yeah. Oh no, I'm gonna give birth to you. <laughs> oh god. I'm, like, I'm okay. I stopped while I was ahead. I'm not bringing it back. I'm never gonna say it again. Uh, Continue on with creative corner. Well, no, it's fine. I mean, um, I just did a little bit of like, you know, looking into this in terms of like, um, yeah, just just kind of looking into to ancestry in general, and I found this really cool thing called ancestral mathematics. So uh, it basically, I, I don't know if I'll be able to like read through the whole entire thing because it probably sound really boring, but I might share it on Instagram or something. But basically, in order to be born, you needed two, gran- two, uh, two parents, four grandparents, eight great grandparents. You see where this is going. Yada, 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 all the way up until 2048, ninth great grandparents. 
Okay, so what this basically means, like this is what basically blows my tiny mind, <laughs> is that for you to be born today from 12 previous generations, just 12, that's not that many generations, you would have needed a total of over 4,000 ancestors over the last 400 that's years. Mad. So 4,000 people, 4,000 lives, 4,000 people falling in love and, you know, having, having a child um, and, you know, passing on their traits which are coming up in our genetic tests now like i i can't my brain almost can't like comprehend the real life of like all these people because that's the thing like they had their own lives and if they hadn't have begat each other at that time <laughs> or whatever sorry begat sorry. or had a begat it's like they're saying have a begat if they hadn't sat down and had a begat and a begat at that time, you wouldn't exist. So when sometimes I've said to people, yeah, I'm related to all these kings, like William the Conqueror, direct descendants, and they're like, oh, that's, like, you know, really far away, like, who gives a shit? But I'm like, if William the Conqueror hadn't have shagged that lady when he did at that particular time, I wouldn't be here. And I think that's really interesting. And so some people yeah. say that ancestry doesn't affect them, but actually it does, because if no one was begetting, then you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have been begat, and then you wouldn't even be listening to this right now. You wouldn't be if listening you to us talking about begat. I can't stop saying begat. It's a great word. I'm so glad that you know we've 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 introduced it to and the I'm podcast. I'm using it correctly now. This is gonna become this is gonna become like a tradition now. Um, <laughs> but it's it's this, fascinating. It, it is, and this is another one as well. Like, I, and you probably already know this, uh, but I, and it's something that I'd read before, but I really wanted to touch on it again. It's just a little nugget. The odds of you being born, your unique existence and your singular genetic makeup even existing, the odds of that happening is about one in 400 trillion. Infinitesimally small odds of even being alive, which each person who's ever lived has, has overcome those odds. And it's, you're right, it's not just the ancestor, you know, shagging that person at that time. It's every single ancestor before and since to get to you now. Like the, the chance to even have life is so, so tiny. That's a lot of sex. It is, isn't it? But it's like survival of the fittest, isn't it? It was like that sperm, that egg, and that, that's made you exactly as you are. And there's one in 400 trillion chance of that, that that was going to happen. And you could have been a completely different person. So if you don't think that you're special at this point in time, we're telling you, you're pretty special and you were a pretty strong sperm. Yeah, you you won the lottery by the, by the second you were born, you won the lottery just to be, just to be here. Like that, that's like, it's just so rare that that would ever happen to make you exactly how you are right now. Like that genuinely amazing. me. You could be doing this me. podcast with someone else right now, someone called Sarah. <laughs> Who is she? Is she nice? I don't know. Probably. Pretty nicer than me. Can I keep you? Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I wasn't leaving. I wasn't saying that she's going to come in and take my place. I'm just saying she might have been in a parallel universe. <laughs> or just tell her to, to go away or you'll beget her. <laughs> I don't want her offspring. It'll work, I promise. <laughs> Anyway, enough about begatting. Yeah, just to finish Creative Corner real quickly. <clears throat> so I've realised that a lot of my writing does incorporate 
like bloodlines and ancestry to some degree um so i like really for creative corner like all i would do is just to try and encourage people to look into their own and then maybe take that as a starting point to create something new like start a new project whether whatever your creative flair is um whether you're a writer like me or uh you prefer to do something a bit more visual or spoken word or song poetry whatever um just to yeah take inspiration from that because like i i I find it really impossible to not be inspired by like uh, trying to comprehend the, the scale of the ancestors that would have come before me or like those tiny, tiny odds of even being alive as me right now. Like it, it just feels really baffling. And so as, as a, a starting point, uh, I don't know, I feel like that could be really fun just to kind of run with that and create something. Yeah. Um, but if people don't like that, I've thought of a few recommendations this week, um, a, apart from the, the stuff I already mentioned before, but like, I mean, I mentioned the Old Testament and stuff, but I don't think the Bible is like a page turner <laughs> per se. Um, so for, for fantasy, um, there's an amazing uh, book that I, I, I want to recommend. It's called Children of Blood and Bone uh, by Tomi Adiemi. Um, she is an amazing African-American writer and uh, the, the book itself, like even the title, Children of Blood and Bone, like you can tell already it has like strong like bloodline ancestral kind of themes to it and it's just this amazing like magical adventure around the idea of colonizers wiping out the ancestors of magic users um it's so well written really culturally significant and if you like adventure or magic or fantasy um like she is amazing second in the series has come out this year as well so it might hopefully it'll be a trilogy um because i'm just here for it it's amazing <laughs> um, oh, i might have to ch um, check that out because that sounds like something that i would definitely enjoy honestly like i, oh, I it's an emotional roller coaster but it's great i totally recommend it um if you're more of a literary fiction person though um, there's an author called Maggie O'Farrell, who is awesome. Um, and she incorporates, uh, themes of family and ancestry into her novels in a very major way. However, uh, I don't think I've ever read a single one of her books that hasn't made me bore my eyes out like a baby. So just a little warning. <laughs> um, and then there's another story that I absolutely loved called The Secret Scripture. Uh, by Sebastian Barry and this uh, got like shortlisted for like Costa book prizes and stuff like it did it did really well um, it's, it came out a few years back but um, it's a really beautiful story of basically this old woman in uh, like a nursing home and she doesn't have any family she doesn't remember like sh she's starting to, to lose her um, cognitive functions a little bit and her doctor is basically trying to help her remember about her life and who she is and where she comes okay, from that's and already making me emotional yeah but like it's it is a it is a beautiful story there's a, a film adaptation to it but i would really recommend um reading the book <laughs> any word nerd will tell you the adaptations are never as good you get so much more like character depth from the books um but yeah it's a really beautiful story where she's just basically um the doctor treating her is trying to help her like piece her life together and find out where she came from and if she does have any any relatives that survive her that he could maybe inform about you know what's what's coming up um so it's it's a bit of a tearjerker but really really beautiful and it's just 
it's hard to read stuff like that and not feel inspired or feel kind of connected to like you know your humanity or your ancestry in some way so I don't know like it probably makes me sound a little bit sappy but I just feel like find that really uplifting and really special so I'll stop before I get emotional too because like this is a big uh you know like well of uh <laughs> you know history and, and stuff that that you know yeah. we'll be tapping into there otherwise but but yeah a very very cool recommendation so I'll post those I'll post those on Instagram or something cool well I'll create a corner it's really good enjoyed that thanks cool thought it was something a little bit different yeah um so to finish off because we're <laughs> we're coming up on like uh, a long a long episode but that's okay um what is our takeaway what have we learned from these tests why do they feel why do we feel they're important i think to give a bit of a speech <laughs> <laughs> friends listeners <laughs> it's a to- topic that's very close to my heart so I feel like I, I need to sort of summarise it but I think it's exciting to do a DNA kit test it's very cool especially if you don't know anything about your ancestry and maybe you're adopted you can find close relatives it's amazing in that regard and you know it'll give you like a bit of a snapshot but that is really all it is like it doesn't define your heritage or your ancestry it's merely like a small window into your dna based on the data that the companies have you know you can't see the joy the pain and like the journey that your ancestors went on that basically led to you or that begotten that led to you (laughs) it won't give you the details on how they lived but it's a good starting point to like learn like a base step and it could even just be a confirmation of what you already know but you know, you may also see something you didn't expect. You may come up with something that you're like, oh, where's that come from? Maybe that'll make you look more into your ancestry and start talking to your family and trying to understand. But I think, you know, it does, it does teach us though that actually if you look further into the DNA past what the company's test is telling you, what it will tell you is that we're all, as I said, a big boiling pot and we're all very, very similar. And we all have these mm. different, you know people in our lives that that had to exist for us to be here and a lot of them didn't just stay in the same place like that would be somewhat ridiculous yeah These people were moving around they were going from country to country or they were from different nationalities like we're not all just 90% this 10% this 20% this that's that's a statistical thing that they have implanted to do these these tests we are all so mixed so yeah. so mixed and it's important to remember that when doing these tests because they may make you think that that you're not but there is a lot more behind the curtain is what I'm trying to say. And, and, but have fun with it. Like ancestry is really, really fun. Like don't take it too seriously. If you're interested in doing it, go for it. If you've got cool stories, let us know. Like I'd love to hear them. Come to me. Tell me all your stories. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I, th- I think this, this has like stoked a real like fire in me to, for like finding out all this kind of stuff. And yeah, absolutely. Like share your stories if there's anything that, um, that, that you know about your, your family history or if there's anything that you find out about it, that would be so cool. My key takeaways, just to like sum up for me, it's basically the same as what you said, but I'm going to just do it in like a sound bite. So three things. One, racism's bullshit. National, nationalities do not matter. We're all human beings that is just it doesn't yeah it doesn't matter it's stupid um two way to connect to like your humanity a little bit more and your history very very cool three creative inspiration 
So that's my takeaway. Like, why? what have I learned? Why is this important? That's what I'm taking away from this, those three things. Um, and it feels very grounding and humbling. So I'm really glad that we've done this topic. It took a lot of sex for us to be here, but we're here and we are living. So probably pretty lucky that this came after the sex education episode <laughs> because we learned how to do the sex and now we're talking about what becomes after the begatting so <laughs> and that's the not for girls podcast which you can find on twitter and instagram at not for girls pod and our email to notforgirlspodcast.gmail.com and if you liked what you heard today or if you just want to be nice you can support us by leaving us a review on apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you can leave reviews that would be really nice it helps us out a lot we love stars and i especially love it if there are five of them cool well this has been lovely i'm gonna go drink more wine yeah I'm, i've drunk everything and now i'm really like hoarse so <laughs> i'm gonna go get more booze too but thank you so much everybody for listening this week we appreciate you as always um we'll see you next time thank you for listening bye bye